You're listening to a special podcast produced by UMFM 101.5 FM in partnership with the Winnipeg Folk Festival. Running Thursday, July 5th through Sunday, July 8th at picturesque Birds Hill Park, Winnipeg Folk Festival is a celebration of people and music that has been one of North America's premier outdoor music festivals for over 40 years. I'm Matt Moskal, host of the Bonus Hour and Supporting Act podcast, and this episode spotlights Harrow Fair. Thirteen ragged lines fly south, how cold the winds do blow, water's frozen at the river's mouth, and buried Harrow Fair is Miranda Mulholland and my guest on this week's show, Andrew Penner. One part stomping songs that echo early country rock and roll, the other gritty ballads that sound sweet and haunted. The duo's evocative and rapidly expanding collection of songs are utterly foreign, oddly familiar, and deeply gratifying. Their debut full-length album, Call to Arms, is out now wherever good music is streamed and sold. Harrow Fair will be performing at Spruce Hollow on Sunday, July 8th at 4.15pm with workshops at the Spruce Hollow and Big Blue Stem stage on Friday, July 6th, Burr Oak on Saturday, July 7th, and Shady Grove on Sunday, July 8th. In addition to these performances, they will also be mentoring songwriters in the Stingray Young Performers series at the Shady Grove stage. For the full lineup, a complete list of set times to purchase tickets, and for more information on the Winnipeg Folk Festival, visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca. Now let's go to my conversation with Andrew Penner of Harrow Fair. The the first thing that I wanted to to talk about was this is not your uh, your first Winnipeg Folk Festival, right? No, it's not. No. I think it was 5 years ago. Okay. Played it with my um my other band Sun Parlor Players. Okay. And um we've yeah, I love Winnipeg. I um You've played the uh, the West End Cultural Center many times, and um, I love the uh, you know the High Lonesome Clubs, obviously the best. So yeah. it's always um, I love coming to Winnipeg. I um, used to have family that lived out there, and it's always been such a fun tour stop. But Harrow Fair is um, it's a fairly new band. Like we just put out one record, but a year and a half old is the album, and we've just been touring a ton, um, but we haven't been to Winnipeg yet. Um, right. So this is our first summer of kind of like doing full-on Canadian tours and or Canadian festivals, rather. Right. And Winnipeg is just such a special one. Miranda, the other half of Harrow Fair, has played it um, before as well. So it's we were so stoked to uh, get the call from Chris. Uh, do you have any takeaways, anything that, uh, that happened the last time you were at Folk Fest? trying to think of things that weren't necessarily musical because there were some amazing things. You know, actually, one musical thing that was... I, I played so many different festivals where Buffy St. Marie had been playing. Right. And But this was the first time that I was able to actually sit side stage. Like, the, I wasn't busy while she was playing, so I got to see her do her thing, and that was amazing to see. Um, there were so many great acts that year. Um but that was one that really stuck out. Um, getting to meet uh, the Shovels and Rope camp was really great because I think they just put out their first record or maybe their second one, and seeing them do their thing was great. Oh, yeah. I remember also, um, 
you know, non-musical thing that was awesome is just during an, you know, inevitable yet hopefully not too regular um, rainstorm. There was just an impromptu dance party in the merch tent because it was a pretty, you know, you know that site. It's huge and there's oh, yeah. not there's not a whole lot out there sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so it was uh, it was great. Just everybody just packed the gills in the merch tent, just yeah. going nuts. Was, you know, you're trying to keep the rain off the merch and everybody kind of bands together. I would love when that happens in a in any like outdoor festival situation, you know, where I mean, for many reasons, obviously the weather going, you know, sideways is not good. But right. the other side to it is like especially at a folk festival, everybody like, you know, let's band together and we can beat this too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of like gives gives, you know, everybody something to fight against. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make any sense, but it also makes perfect sense. Right. Do other Canadian festivals you've played, do they have like a similar sort of like, I don't want to say curse, but like a similar sort of uh, feeling like, oh, yeah, it always rains at least once a weekend. Does that come up other places? I think it comes up in every festival. Yeah. Like every outdoor festival. We played an outdoor festival this this past weekend in Sarnia, Ontario, called um, Art Walk. And it was okay. great. But they're like, oh, it always rains once one day out of every Every time this festival happens, every year, it always rains at least one day. It has to. That's usually, I think, the, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure, not to say that Winnipeg's not special, right. but I think, <laughs> I think it's a common occurrence. Yeah. Oh, I, I think I was in the same rainstorm as you, actually, if I'm not mistaken. I think I was in the media tent, and what wound up happening was people just started, uh, singing songs about the rain because i think somehow some children had wound up in there and they were kind of huddled close to their parents so a lot of people in the media tent were singing like row 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 your boat and things like that or the itsy bitsy spider to these kids while they were you know uh kind of a bit scared because there were so many adults huddled over during this like thunderstorm yeah and it's yeah right well that's that's great yeah especially like how packed those tents get yeah when because it got it like you know as an adult i also find it like it's like oh there's so many people around like it just gets a little tense even though you're not necessarily in like you know danger but you know there's also been those things where like you sometimes the weather gets really serious like i was i was playing hillside when there's some video of it where uh owen pallet was on stage playing and just a crazy storm came in and I think he got one song into his set because they were trying to get him off immediately. Right. And he just kind of screamed to them like, let me, let me finish my song. Like, just let me finish this one song. He just wanted to, you know, do it. But then it was like, as soon as it was done, it was like, yeah, we got to get out of here, I think. It's pretty frightening but, as a musician as well, because, I mean, I imagine you've got some gear, some equipment. Do you have anything that, uh, you know, that, that you have that sort of irreplaceable or, or precious due to sentimental value in your, in your current set of, of gear that you bring to festivals? Oh man, you know what? Unfortunately I do. I, <laughs> I try <laughs> to never do that with, with, you know, your touring setup, but with in, in Harrow Fair, both Miranda and I, we have the, the main instruments that we play are, you know, senior citizens and are, 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 you know, they're not necessarily the most expensive things, but it's like I play like I play a mid fifties Gibson archtop that I just love and it's not you know, it's not cheap, but it's not crazy. But it's just it's a our sound is 
it's pretty big, but it's also there's a there's a simplicity to it that we really try to ride, and we've been really careful with the things that we, the few elements that we picked to put into the mix. So, right. if her fiddle were you know something were happened to her fiddle and something were happened to my guitar, it would be yeah, it'd be, it would be a drag. No kidding. The rest of it, it's like you know you try to whittle it down to the things of what can I. What can I bring that'll get the job done? But you know, we're not at that. You know, we're not in the fly-in with the the tons and tons of backline. We're we're still trying to keep it super light, right? Which I don't think I'll ever change, really. No, <laughs> but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> like as a multi instrumentalist, uh, what's the most number of instruments you've played between the start and the finish of a song? With Harrow Fair, I keep, uh, let me see. I keep it pretty standard. I play drums with my feet, so I got the kick drum and hi hat. Sometimes I'm playing drums then with my hands and then switch to guitar. Right. And I'm singing. Let me just see. One, two, three, four. I'd say four instruments and then singing would be the top. I'd be, uh, I've played drums with one of kick drum with one of my feet. Uh, organ bass pedals with my other foot, synth with my left hand, and a uh, guitar that was tuned open with my right, and then singing. And then I would be switching, obviously, to you know play the guitar with both hands, and sometimes I wouldn't be playing the drums and stuff like that. But yeah, that's, I think, as nutty as I get. Because I try to, just because of the vocal thing, the, the thing that I... I I guess this goes to op- the opposite land of your question, but like, no matter how ridiculous it is, the amount of instruments that I, I'll want to switch during a song, I have this weird threshold that I've never been able to break. Where if it becomes like a sideshow act, right? Then then it's like it's like a weird gag reflex where I'm like, no, I can't do that. That's too much. Not that there's anything wrong with <laughs> right. I, I just feel like I don't want it to just like it, you know it's like that threshold of like what detracts from the like audience hearing the song rather than watching the performance right and and uh, you know for some reason mine just lends more to the I just don't want it to become like that was ridiculous what he did rather that was awesome on how it helped fill the song out and, yeah you know. Who knows how it ends up looking? I think sometimes I definitely cross that line, but that's fine. As long as I feel like I'm not, I'm okay with it. Right. Uh, Now, like, I couldn't even, with everything you've listed there, like, I have a hard time even remembering just all the instruments you named there. So you've got a very distinct superpower there. Um, Do you have any uh, advice for people, like, other, like, aspiring musicians who are looking to sort of, you know, become multi instrumentalists? Learn how to play the drums. <laughs> that, that is my, that, that is my, uh, yeah, like we're doing, um, that would be my instruction for someone. No matter what instrument you're playing, learn how to sit behind a drum kit, especially a drum kit. This is my, this was my in, because that's, that was my first instrument. Like I was, I was, I took piano lessons and guitar and stuff like that. But drums was always my main thing because I was the younger kid and got thrown on the drums when everybody else wanted to like face mount solos and stuff like that. So right. they're like, you get down there. So, because behind a drum kit, once you get 
you you learn pretty fast that you're dealing with four separate brains. Like each limb is a brain, and they need to work independently a lot of the time. And I find that for me, the the, the drums are physically that kind of they demand that kind of dexterity. But then you also need to be if you're if you're thinking about the song, you're still so invested in how that goes that that will help you once you get used to using your four different brains with your limbs. If you're thinking about the song, you're not really thinking about what you're doing, and that is the key to multi-instrumentation for me. It's about boiling down your parts to be like the simplest and you know best thing that you can come up with to, to make a song come across, but you do all the thinking when you're writing the song and arranging the song, but when you're actually performing it, you try to get your brain out of the way. Because not only in music, but in all of my life, as soon as I start thinking too much, there's problems. So that my uh, my advice. I think we're going to be because I'm doing at the at the folk festival. I'm also a part of the um, the program with working with kids. Oh, the Young Performer Series. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're coming in a couple days early uh, to work with them. And I imagine that this is going to come up. And that's the thing that I, you know, I don't, I don't expect kids to learn drums that fast, nor that that's even the point. It's just more the idea to, like, tricking your brain into being able to think in new ways and, you know, basically being able to look at a song from multiple angles is always, a, is always key. So that's my that's my uh, long and short of it. Piano does it to a degree too, and right. I mean every. I just I I don't know. I've always been like, you want to write on whatever, or I want to write on whatever song seems to start start the journey to a finished song. And I I, I almost never write from one specific instrument. It just kind of starts with oh, okay. I, I'm hearing this sound. Okay, so this is definitely I'm gonna going to walk over to the piano and how do you think having uh songwriters with almost like the opposite songwriting sensibilities will help the outcome of the young performer series what a what a great surprise that, that is like you 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 go into a situation you're like you, you if you didn't know the artist before yeah you listen to the thing that they're doing you're like well i don't do that or maybe i don't even like it that much but you meet them and there's a you know, I think I, I think I know everyone that is uh, doing it, and like everyone's done quite a bit of stuff. Right. So it's like I bet they're all they, they've been picked because they're going to come in with a, a good you know back catalog of knowledge of how to approach different situations, and the element of surprise whenever you're trying to create something is always the best. Like I never like I. I generally don't want to work with like-minded people when it comes to certain projects. You know, you want to have those those big happy accidents because you know life would be really boring if you were like, we feel exactly the same way about this. What do we do now? <laughs> well, like the big thing about how like Miranda and I uh, got together with Hair Affairs, like we have very different ways of approaching music, but we found that there was. At, in, in the collision of those two things, it made a sound that we were just very, we were like, huh, this seems to work, and it seemed to make 
the sound immediately that we then, of course, refined. But our vo- like just starting with our, our vo- the, the way our voices work together. Right. Um, her hers is just gorgeous, and it's got this. She's just got this natural way of it's it's a compression that's right in your face, and it's just gorgeous. Got like that Alison Krauss. Or, I mean, it sounds like lots of things, but it's this gorgeous thing. And mine can be a lot rougher. And sometimes I sing for depending on the song that we have. Um, you want those collision. You want those those differences to 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 come out because it can it can help with the excitement of a song. And hopefully that's what's going to come up with young performers like that that um, we're able to access different things. I hope there can be crossover with different artists, too. That should be should be fun. I haven't done that before. Oh. I've worked with lots of artists, like, and done lots of um, different songwriting things, but not at uh, Folk Fest, so it should be a blast. Uh, you're also on uh, a workshop uh, the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, so you've got three days of, of workshops uh, before your, uh, your, your main set at uh, Spruce Hollow. Uh, yeah. some really great uh, collaborators in there with you as well. Uh, I can see that you've got uh, everyone from the Warren Treaty, Fortunate Ones, Roger Roger, the Strumbellas on one as well, Donovan Woods. It's a really, uh, it's a really eclectic and a really uh, great lineup of, uh, of people to be up there with. Uh, how have your experiences been with uh, the workshop sets as, uh, as Harrow Fair? Oh man, I like, I don't want to jinx it, but like we've, we're like, we we work really well in workshops. I think it comes back to the, like the multi instrumental thing. Like right. when it's time for us to lead it, you know, we're, we're that's such a you know that's that's no problem. But as far as like we play well with others. Miranda's an incredible um, fiddle player, and you know we can both pick out harmonies pretty much on the fly. And often, you know, one short one thing. There's never a shortage of it at. Uh, folk festivals are guitar players. So usually I end up putting my guitar down and just go to like whatever else is on stage to try to help build something that's hopefully new. I mean, my, my, my favorite thing, like the danger of the workshops, right. Or that they crash and burn, but I'd, I'd way rather have it do that. than someone just play their song and everybody else is quiet on stage. while it happens. Like, I think the point of those are to like throw everything in the pot and see what happens. Cause I, you know, the, the history at the folk festival too is, yeah, you're just seeing, you want to see something new being created in front of your eyes. Cause you have the album. And yeah. a lot of times you've seen these like people that go to see, you know, us with Warren treaty. It's like, okay, well we know what they sound like, but what are they going to sound like with these people and to see that, that thing come together should be, I don't know. I love it. I love that, like, bouncing on a razor's <laughs> Like, what's going to happen? Whoa, that didn't work. Or that worked, and we've been up here for an hour and a half, and it, we just blinked our eyes. Because those, those moments are really special to share not only with the people on stage, but with the audience. Because you can really feel it. I think it's an investment that everybody makes to goes to those workshops. You're rolling the dice on, what ingredients in this recipe, <laughs> you know? we want to see the most of you know choose your stage and yeah i love i love it yeah we we love getting thrown into those yeah how long do you normally have to converse with people before you go up on stage together or or is like is there a lot of time um usually there's like none right everyone's coming to their golf carts and all that like getting driven in there and all that right yeah different times and stuff like 
if if anything, it's just like a bit of a check in, <laughs> like yeah. from just like introduce. You know, it goes from anywhere from introducing yourself on stage to each other to like having five minutes beforehand to be like, hey, what do you? How do you want to do this? <laughs> you know. Yeah. But a lot of the times, you know, it's not a whole lot. Usually, the only thing I like I throw people like I'm just like, hey, it's in this key. Follow along with what you can. There's a breakdown somewhere in the middle. Like right. that—that that is usually the most amount of direction that will happen. <laughs> but you know, it depends. Hopefully, you know the people that you're on stage with are are just cool on how to deal with deal with those situations. And right. if uh, like I I love any of that communication. You know, usually for me, the more the better, just because I want to help them. I don't want to, you know. I don't want to, you know, do something completely out of left bank that might throw what the ultimate idea of the song is. But, uh, yeah, it's usually not a whole lot. Has anyone ever, uh, like, actively sought you out before going up on a workshop? Have you ever had the fortune of having somebody say, like, hey, I saw you do this the other day. I would love for you to do this uh, during this workshop. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's happened before where, yeah, they either know a song that you've, you know, something on the recording or something that you did previously, like earlier in the weekend, we're like, oh, that moment was awesome. Or like, I saw you have this moment where everything broke down and you just like, you know, vocally let it wail or something, you know, something. And I'm like, cool. Any of that information is awesome. It's like, you give me the nod and we'll drive by feel, you know, <laughs> we'll figure out yeah. where it's going to land. Because I love doing that with other people too. It's like, oh, you're, you know, your, you know, your banjo sounds amazing. Could you take the intro for this, and then we'll build off that? And, like those things are great for people to hear anyway, because you know, I think unless they're, you know, for whatever reasons, don't want to have communication with people. I think generally it makes them excited. It's like gives you a little bit of a, a little bit of a security blanket. Sometimes in those situations are good, because then usually what happens if you don't have those conversations as it goes it retreats to the default of we're four or three or whatever separate bands on stage and we'll just play and then the other person will be nicely sitting next to you watching you play and then it's done and it's like that's fine i think it's the first festival i ever played was mariposa in uh in ontario and i was in a workshop and i'll never forget it because it was the first workshop i think i ever did and and I didn't know what workshops were before that because it was my first folk festival. I didn't grow up going to folk festivals, so I didn't know that this happened. And I, there was, it was a, it was a Quebecois, I think, trio playing, and they were awesome. And it was kind of like it, they were playing, and I knew that we were next, and that my guitar was really out of tune, so I was quietly trying to tune it as quickly as I could. And the fiddle player, while she was soloing, walked over to me <laughs> and started playing directly at me just to tell me, like, you gotta shut up now. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, we're, we're all on this stage together. Like, you're not invisible. Yeah. And she did it in such a cool way. I'm maybe describing it, like, a little bit more, you know, pointed. But it was the perfect kind of, like, you know, this is my time. <laughs> just either add something or shut up. And I was like, Oh, I love you. You're awesome. 
lesson learned. How much about, like, I'm just hearing that. I'm like, how much about music is nonverbal for you? Oh, it's tons. It's like, you gotta, it's, it's, it's everything, right? Like, well, like all of it matters. Like, it's like you hear a word and you immediately associate it with things that are nonverbal and don't have sound. You know, it's like, it's like, have you ever walked into a room and seen someone that you've never met before and you immediately feel something either good or bad or what, you know, the multitude of things in between. And, and it, it's totally like that on stage, except you're given so much more information because of the way a person approach, like walks towards their instrument can tell you things that'll make you feel a certain thing or the way they, they pick it up and the way that they look at you just for a second. Like when you asked me earlier about how much time do we sometimes have before starting a workshop and is there any sort of communication Sometimes all you need and all you want is just to look at one, like the person in the eyes. That's all you kind of sometimes need. And sometimes all you should get because, you know, the, the programming at, at the Folk Fest is so fantastic. And it's like they, they think about this stuff a lot, who they're putting together. And a lot of times they've met a lot of these people. It's not just contacting their booking agents and going, we want you because you have a, you know, a record that's doing great right now. So they're putting people together that hopefully, you know, have the capacity to look somebody else in the eyes and communicate something. Because I think that's what, you know, a lot of entertainers are really good at and artists in general. So, I, uh, yeah, totally. You, you know, it's like it's like animals sniffing each other out. <laughs> <laughs> if you could uh, if you could workshop with any musician, living or dead, who would you want on stage with you? Stevie Wonder. Oh yeah. He I he's like uh, I grew up about thirty minutes south of the Windsor Detroit border, and he was just he was a big thing for me to grow up with. And when I first started writing music as a you know when I first got out of university and was like really writing it and, and being able to fortunate enough to make a living off of it. I think I went through like a three year phase where there were five of his records where I was just, that was probably 95% of what I listened to. Wow. And, and he's a, yeah, there's just the, the there's so many aspects to his stuff that I find very, very special. So that'd be my, that'd be my quick answer. All right. What we like to do at the end of these things, uh, thank you so much for chatting uh, uh, during this. This has been this has been a real pleasure. Um, so what we like to do at the end is we like to ask uh, the artist to recommend one of their songs. We're going to end the, the show off with one of your tunes, a, a Harold Fair tune. And uh, we're just wondering uh, what song of yours you'd like us to play to sort of close out the show. I'll go with, um, I'll go with the title track off our record call to arms okay and the song and the song's called call to arms i'd go with that one it's uh it sums up a bunch of our stuff in a really cool way it you know miranda's amazing vocals and fiddle playing and um gets a lot of the gritty guitar and big drums that uh that we've been honing in on over the last two years of playing non-stop that um we're going into uh we're we're demoing our new record and all these uh things are banding about right now so to hear that one would be 
fantastic. Anything you want to leave the people with? Any thoughts or anything? Or no, I, you know, I just can't. We can't wait to uh, come and play the festival and um, work with the young performers. So yeah, I just hope to see everybody there and, and hope it stays sunny. Perfect. All right. Cheers, man. All right. Thanks. And I hope for you in the morning do open up the way you want it. And I hope that I won't be surprised when you don't do what I want it. And I hope one day you'll be on your way and be satisfied. I'm Matt Moskal, and you've been listening to a special podcast spotlighting Harrow Fair. They will be performing Sunday, July 8th at Spruce Hollow at the Winnipeg Folk Festival. But don't forget to check out their workshops Friday, July 6th at Spruce Hollow in Big Blue Stem, Saturday, July 7th at Burr Oak, and Sunday, July 8th at Shady Grove. Miranda and Andrew will also be mentoring at the Stingray Young Performers Series, which you can see at the Shady Grove stage throughout the weekend. To hear more featured artists, visit umfm.com and be sure to visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca for the full lineup, to purchase tickets, and for more information on the Winnipeg Folk Festival running from July 5th through July 8th at Birds Hill Park.